0: Thank you for singing with me this morning. I'd say you can be seated, which is what I usually say, but you're already seated, so you're all right. Hold on to those song sheets. We've got a few left, and we will sing those as soon as Peter's finished. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's a beautiful day today. Amen. I tell you, after sitting, standing in the pavilion and making balloon animals for the past three days, this day is amazing. We started the fair Thursday afternoon with 1,350 or more balloons. I now have a little over 200 left. So if you want a balloon, make sure to come right away so we don't run, run out before you get your balloon. The pavilion will be open right after the service today. Uh, not only are there was there shopping at the pavilion and our balloon animals and face painting. Um, But there was also a caricature artist at… Anyone get the caricature done? Yeah? Couple people? If you didn't, I'm sorry he's not there today. But he was there Friday and Saturday. Caricature artists are a lot of fun. I kind of felt sorry for him because as he was there quickly painting people's pictures over and over and over again. He was accosted, he was bombarded, he was whatever term you want to put at it, uh, by little kids with their faces painted, holding balloons popping in his face. (laughs) He did a great job, but didn't faze him. Some of the kids, as they walked away with their caricature pictures, on their caricature was their their face painted on the caricature. So he really did a good job. Caricature artists are a lot of fun. Maggie and I, when we got married, we had a caricature artist at our wedding uh, during the reception afterwards. Everyone enjoyed it. We got our caricature done way back then. I wanted to get ours done this year, so we got the kids, three kids caricatures done. Then Maggie and I got our caricature done, and we look a lot older. (laughs) Someone said three kids will do that to you. Yes, it is true. Caricature artists are a lot of fun. It takes a lot of skill to make someone's likeness in a way that is distorted enough to be comical and yet recognizable enough to be accurate. It takes a lot of skill, a lot, a lot of skill. If you didn't know, I, I, I kind of like to geek out a little bit. So we get the word caricature from France, France, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the French word for it, but it means to exaggerate. A caricature artist takes a person and it exaggerates certain characteristics to create a comic effect. People love watching a caricature artist at work. If you're standing there in line, you hear all sorts of different comments about how good this guy is, how talented he is, how, well, you wish you could do that too, but you can't, all these sorts of comments, which are true and they're appropriate. But if we take a s- couple steps back and think about it, the guy who was painting caricatures the past two days weren't, wasn't the only caricature artist in the room because we are all caricature artists ourselves. I'm not talking about how we view each other physically, which that might be true. I'm more talking about how we view ourselves and each other emotionally and spiritually. Too often, the way we look at each other, the way we look at ourselves, we are painting caricatures, distortions of what is actually true. Well, before we dive into the Bible today and talk about this, will you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the creator of the universe. At the beginning of time, you spoke everything into existence from the trees to the grass to the flowers to the clouds to the rain to ourselves. You are the creator. Thank you that not only are you the creator, but you are the sustainer. You hold all things together. We're not just exploding out of existence because you are here. And thank you, Father. As the creator and sustainer, you wanted to be known. So you made a way that we could know you through your word and through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that today, as we study your word and as we sing songs to you, I ask that you'd be glorified. I ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to understand it. You'd give us the ability to change according to it. And Father, as I'm up here, I ask that I would decrease and that you would increase. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, Father. Amen. Caricatures. Let's think about it. How do we often view those around us? We're humans. I assume everyone here is human. Anyone, a robot or alien among us? Thank you, Tim. That's a lie. Okay. We're constantly comparing ourselves to each other. constantly assessing those around us based upon what we see and that assessment we make is never completely true. There's always something that is false. There's always a caricature element to it. Sometimes we look at someone and we see them better than who we are. So in honor of that, turn to someone near you and say, wow, you are awesome. Some of you didn't mean that. Wow, you are awesome. Yeah. I think about the prophet Samuel. God called Samuel to go and anoint the next king of Israel. He said, oh, I can do that, no problem. So he packed his bags and he followed God's leading to the small town of Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse. And he met Jesse and said, hey, Jesse, I'm here to anoint one of your sons, king of Israel. And Jesse said, great, I've got eight sons, but I'm only going to bring seven because the eighth doesn't count. So he brought the seven and Samuel looked at each of the seven and said, wow, that would make a great king. Wow, that would make a great king. Wow, that would make a great king. Wow, that would make a great king all the way down the line. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Till finally he got to the last and every single one, God said, nope, nope. 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 None of them. God said in 1st Samuel chapter 16 verse 7, he said, but the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart." When we look at someone, we might think that we're looking at someone's heart. We think we're looking at their true personality and their true character, but we are not because we don't have that ability. We're only looking at what we can see, and that perspective is very, very flawed. Samuel finally had Jesse bring the youngest, David, and God said, this one is the one who would be king, even though no one else thought he would be sometimes we look at each other and we say that person's a really good guy and we see them through these rose-colored glasses perhaps that person is a mentor to us someone we look up to perhaps that person in view is a pastor or a sunday school teacher maybe the person we're looking is actually a hypocrite and they're hiding their sin Perhaps we look at someone's good qualities and we're so jealous of those good qualities that that's all we see is those good qualities. Whatever the case, we see this person, we place them up on a pedestal, we see them better than who they actually are, and then sometime in our life, we will see them for who they actually are, and we're gonna be disappointed when we're smacked in the face with their sin. Whether we see it now or not, the person that is next to us, the person that is in front of us is a sinner. Paul very clearly says that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans three twenty-three. Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person, no one is left out of that all. Sooner or later, a person's humanity will shine glaringly for all to see. It's one of the reasons why... When I preach, I try very hard to acknowledge my faults and my sins so people will not see me better than who I am because I am a sinful person desperately in need of Jesus Christ. I should not be put on a pedestal. I should not be viewed through rose-colored glasses. We all see caricatures of each other. Sometimes the caricature we see is the good exaggerated. Other times... The good isn't exaggerated. The bad is. We look at those around us and we see them worse than they are. So turn to someone near you, wrinkle your nose, and say, ugh! Very few people did that. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone is. But that doesn't mean that they have to be defined by that sin. It doesn't mean we have to exaggerate it to a distorted, grotesque picture. I think about Jesus when he was here on the earth. He developed quite a reputation for himself. He spent time in the home of what the religious elite, the Pharisees called sinners. These sinners were defined by all sorts of things. Sometimes they were defined as a tax collector. This was a Jew who had sold himself into service of the Romans for money and for privilege. So a sinner could be a tax collector. A sinner could have been a prostitute. A sinner could have been a Jew who wasn't faithfully following what the Pharisees said they should do. Whatever the case, good Jews did not hang out with people like the ones Jesus hung out with. And so as Jesus started to hang out with these quote-unquote sinners, people started to talk. They started to whisper, saying, do you see the person Jesus hanging out with? Why in the world? He's a good teacher, a great teacher, people said. With his words, he led people to God, but the religious leaders said that with his actions, he spent time with people who seemed to be running away from God. So what was the deal? The Pharisees were confused, and that confusion boiled over When a woman, as Luke describes, as a woman who lived a sinful life, she came, she knelt down in front of Jesus and anointed Jesus' feet with oil while crying strongly. Luke records this story for us in Luke chapter 7, verses 39 to 40. Luke seven thirty nine to forty, the Pharisee who had invited Jesus to his house saw this lady doing this, and he said to them, himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. He would know what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he said, Well, tell me, teacher. And so Jesus goes on and tells a parable about someone who owned a lot of money and then was forgiven that debt. And Luke continues, and Jesus turns to the woman and says to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus turned to the lady and said, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Sometimes when we look at those around us, we see people as sinners because of their past actions. But we forget that these people who are sinners are loved by Jesus Christ, and they can be changed by that love. When someone comes to Jesus in faith, as Jesus said of this woman, they are saved, their sins are forgiven, and their past doesn't define them anymore. We as humans have a hard time with that because we grow up with people. Perhaps we grow up with them in school. Perhaps we grow up with them sharing our bedroom. Whatever the case, we grow up with them and we know all of their flaws. And because of those flaws, we have been hurt by their actions. Sometimes we've been hurt unintentionally by their sin. Other times we have been hurt definitely intentionally by them. And we feel that hurt and we remember that hurt. So all we see when we come up to that person is the caricature of that hurt. We see the sin exaggerated before our eyes instead of seeing the whole person. Picture of someone who's been saved by Jesus Christ, whose sins have been forgiven, wiped away, the past cleared. So turn to someone near you and say, I'm sorry. A few more people said that. Caricatures. It happens all the time when we look at other people. But not only does it happen when we look at other people, it happens when we look at ourselves. It, It is the normal human condition. Normally. There are some people who aren't like this, but there is the normal human condition to see ourselves better than we are. So turn to someone else and say like you mean it, Aren't I great? You liked doing that. It's normal to see ourselves at least passably good, if not really good, which is why Jesus had to teach in Matthew chapter seven, verses one to five. Matthew seven, one to five, Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We normally as humans see all of the sin around us. We can point out everyone else's flaws, detailed, but we forget that we're just as depraved as the person that is sitting across from us. We forget that we too, whether we want to admit it, we lie, we cheat, we steal. We forget that the laws in our area are because of us, not just because the person who lives across the street. We forget that speed limit laws are laws and should be followed. And there are, even though there are sometimes we think that we are above that law because what we need is important, we are sinners desperately in need of Jesus Christ. We are the ones that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, when he says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have done it. That's who we are. Well, let's step away from our perspective, from how we look at ourselves. Let's, let's see what God's perspective is on this. God, scripture tells us that God created the heavens and the earth at the beginning of time. The culmination, the grand finale of his creation was humanity, Adam and Eve. He created them, placed them in the Garden of Eden. Then he took a few steps back and he said, everything that I've created, it is very good. Humanity was special in that creation because scripture says we were made in God's image. That means we are reflections of his character and his creativity. We were designed to have a close friendship with our creator. And unfortunately, though God provided everything that Adam and Eve, that humanity needed, we, Adam and Eve, chose to turn away from God and do our own thing god was there saying i will provide life and blessing to you and humanity said nope i don't need it i want to go my own way the way that leads to death and destruction because i will have fun there i will provide what i need i can be my own independent person and since that time we as humans have piled sin upon sin That sin has separated us from God. Yes, we were designed, we were created to have a relationship with him and get all that we need from him because he is the fullness of everything. But our sin separates. And because of that sin, we're doomed to an eternity separated from him. Not to add to that bad news, but there's sometimes we can look at ourselves and say, yeah, I know I've done these, these bad things. I know I've done this sin, but look at all the good that I have done. Wouldn't wouldn't this good outweigh the bad? But no matter what we do, the good doesn't remove the sin. The sin's still there. We might do even more good than the sin, but the sin is still there. And the sin is what removes us from a holy God, the God who cannot have sin. We could go to church every single day, we could get baptized, we could take communion. We could go through confirmation, we could participate in confession, we could regurgitate prayers after prayers after prayers, we could give our money to the church, we could volunteer in the community, we can spend our day helping every single elderly lady cross the street. And no matter what we do, the good in our lives does not remove the sin. So that sin is still separating us from God. This is God's perspective, that he created us to be in fellowship with him. But we separated ourselves from him. Even though we separated ourselves from him, we ran away from him. We said we don't want to have anything to do with him anymore. He looked at us and says, even still, I love you. Even still, I want to have a relationship with you. So the God who created us to have fellowship with him provided a way that we could still have fellowship with him in spite of our sin. He provided a way that we could come close again. He sent his son Jesus Christ to come on earth and live among us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our filth, yet without sin and he died on the cross, taking our punishment on himself, paying the penalty for our sin so that through his death, our sin would be forgiven, wiped away. Therefore we could come near to God and have that fellowship that we were designed to have since the beginning of time, where God would fulfill every single need that we have. John wrote in John 3:16, the verse that so many people remember, but. Very few people apply to their lives. John said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John records earlier in John chapter 1, verse 12, John tw- 1, 12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It is for us to stand up and confess that, yes, I am a sinner. And no good that I do can take away this sin. And I trust in Jesus and Jesus Christ's death alone on the cross for, to save me from my sin. And when we do that, we're saved. He's done everything for us. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 verse nine, Romans 10:9. if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Our sins will be forgiven. We can have the friendship with God that we were created for and all the blessings that come from that relationship are ours. They're ours. And we don't have to do anything for it. It is a gift. If we refuse to acknowledge that we are sinners, if we still believe the lie, the caricature that there is good enough in us, Jesus' sacrifice does not apply to our account. The gift is not ours to take. We are not saved yet. Caricatures. Normally, we see ourselves better than we are. Sometimes we look at ourselves and see a different caricature than that. We see ourselves as worse than we are. So turn to someone around you and say, I am horrible. That wasn't as exuberant as I am awesome. Sometimes we look at our lives and we see all the bad things that spring up and sometimes they're just overwhelming. Instead of the Pharisee standing in the temple and saying, I'm great, we're the sinner that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 18. Luke 18 verses nine to 13, Jesus says to people who are confident in their own righteousness, he says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, "'God, I thank you that I am not like other people, "'robbers, evildoers, adulterers, "'or even like this tax collector. "'I fast twice a week. "'I give a tenth of all I get.'" But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, "'God, have mercy on me, a sinner.'" The tax collector knew his sin, so much so it was piled up that he couldn't even look up to heaven. He couldn't bear it because his sin was just too great in his eyes. There are some people who walk around that they are crushed beneath the weight of their sin. In fact, when they hear about the gospel, they say, oh, I'm too bad for that. God cannot love me. I've done too many horrible things. He has to hate me. I'm doomed to an eternity in hell. But Jesus says to those who think that way, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 to 13, Jesus says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Our sin doesn't keep us from accepting Jesus' amazing sacrifice. No one deserves. Jesus' death on the cross. No one deserves their sin forgiven, but Jesus comes up and he offers that gift to everyone. He says, it is a gift. You don't have to do anything for it. All you have to do is take it, open it up, and I will do everything for you. When we turn from our sins and trust Jesus for our salvation, he has paid the penalty of all the sin. Even the sins that keep popping up and say, oh, do you remember what I did? That was horrible. And Jesus says, It's done. It's forgiven. It's wiped away. That sin doesn't define us anymore. We don't have to live under the burdens of that anymore, no matter what our past looks like. If your past is keeping you from turning to Jesus, know that He is standing there offering you the key to leaving your past behind. It's gone if you have made the decision to trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation and the past still weighs you down, know that God doesn't see your sin anymore. It is gone. He sees us for who Paul describes in Ephesians chapter one. A great chapter. I encourage you to read it sometime. I love what the Kendrick brothers, how they compile this chapter down. He's Speaking of those who've placed their faith in him, speaking of me and you, I am created by God He designed me so I am not a mistake, no matter what my mind says. His son died for me just so I could be forgiven. He picked me as his own so I am chosen, even though I think I am forgotten. He redeemed me so I am wanted, even if I think I'm worthless. He showed me grace just so I could be saved. He has a future for me because he loves me. I am beyond a shadow of a doubt a child of God, and this is who I am, and no one can take it away. And this is you, if you have believed in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for your sins. If we forget what Jesus has done for us, the gift that God has given us, instead we focus on our sin from the past, we're seeing a caricature of ourselves, we're seeing a lie because it denies what God can and will do for us. Caricatures. I love a good caricature artist. Caricatures on paper are great, but when we naturally create caricatures of each other and caricatures of ourselves, we create a mess. So instead of those caricatures, let us remember how God sees us, and let us fall on our face in awe of the God who sees us for who we really are and loves us beyond what we can ever imagine. To him be the glory forever and ever, amen. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for being the God who sees us, who sees us truly, the truth, everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And thank you for being the God who looked at us through it all, in spite of it all, and said, I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. And thank you for doing it all to earn that relationship back. Father, I ask that you would continually remind us of your amazing gift. And if, Lord, if there is anyone here who has never experienced that gift, who does not know to the full measure of your love and your blessings, I ask that today they would turn to you and know you. Thanks, Father. Amen.